Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. We've been going through the, uh, the book of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah, who was a builder. And um, he, had a, he had a real top job. He was a cupbearer to the king. But when he heard some news one day that the, um, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and its, its wooden gates had been burned with fire, he knew that that, uh, that had a knock-on effect in terms of what people thought about God. Uh, you know, and he's you know, brought some of that to us before, but it's, it was the glory of God that was at stake, the honour of God that was at stake that other nations would look and say, God can't even look after his own people. God had passed judgment on Israel. He warned them time and time again through the prophets. He said, if you don't turn from your sins, I will treat you like I treat other nations. And they said, he would never do that. They wouldn't believe the man of God, the prophet that came to them. They wouldn't believe it. You're just a bloke. You've got the wrong message. God will never do that for us. We are the chosen ones. He loves us. He loves us so much. He loves me so much. He tucks me up in bed at night and gets me some cocoa. And you see, what happened is he took them into captivity, slavery. And uh, they had to go to a foreign land. And so, you know, Babylon uh, was the place. And uh, so they had to serve other kings. And what the kings did in those days, they would take people, the creme, the creme de la creme of, of the uh, intellectuals. So a lot of you would be in there. A lot of you, except myself, would be in there. All degree people, master's degrees people, doctorates, professorship. Anyone doing a professorship? See, you're all plastic. You're, you're pretending to be academics. But they would take them all. They'd take the wisest and the sharpest and the smartest and the youngest because that would then strengthen themselves. And uh, they got took into captivity. But here's the thing. He got a good job, did Nehemiah. Uh, and he became cupbearer to the king. Clearly, the king liked him. If you want to get on in life, people need to like you. There's such a thing today that says, well, if I talk to a builder tonight as a young lad, and uh, he's effing and jeffing down the phone at me. He hardly knows me, but he knows I'm a, a church leader. And I started laughing. He goes, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm just not used to people effing and jeffing at me. I said, I'm a church leader. And he really misunderstood it. He thought like, all right, well, I'm the one that's brought him down to earth. And he said, well, you know what, Dave? I'll never change. I said, no, I didn't ask you to. And I'm getting him work. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get on with people. You've got to learn. If you're on F and Jeff, that's up to you. But if you want to get on, zip it, get the job, and F and Jeff when you're on the job on your own. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Anyway, just a thought. Just a thought. I feel like we have to share everything with everybody, don't we? So it didn't offend me. I, yeah, it's just something. I'm, I'm trying to help this fella. Anyway, Nehemiah clearly didn't eff and Jeff. The king liked him, promoted him. And he was on a winter retreat. And uh, so, you know, they went away for their holidays. They took the whole entourage with them. He was there. And he's in a great place. And he's must, he must have been thinking, God, you are so kind to me. You took us into captivity because that's what we deserve. But, you know, here I am sipping the champagne on behalf of the king, tasting it. And then doubly tasting it, just in case I got it wrong first time. Yeah. Might, this might be poison, this batch. And he's getting on and on and on. And eventually, he hears some news. And it absolutely broke him. His brother came and he asked him about 
how is it going in Jerusalem? Because everything's meant to be rebuilt, isn't it? And he said, no, it's, it's a disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And he said, when I heard this news, got to be careful how you hear things. When I heard this news, he said, I, I cried and wept and fasted before the God of heaven. What I love about Nehemiah is his God was massive. He wasn't like the God of the kind of credit crunch. You know, be careful what you spend. He was the God of heaven and earth. He was the almighty God. And it's, it was to him that he turned to. And, you know, when you hear the gospel for the first time, it doesn't, doesn't full, you don't fully get it. But after about six, seven, eight times, you start to realize, do you know what? If there is a God, I'm wrong. We have this natural sense that we are wrong. But whilst you're with everybody else that's doing things wrong, it's okay. You don't feel it. But when you're on your own and you think about it and you've heard the gospel message, you're like, no, I am wrong. But that rebel in us says, but I'm just going to do it my way. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, and you're like, well, you can, but you'll miss out on heaven. Not just heaven when you die, but heaven coming to your heart and your life and transforming you now on earth. God says, I know the plans that I've got for you, plans to prosper you, give you hope and a future. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And there are many people in York who know that verse but they're not doing anything about it. And it's like having the plans to a house. Ooh, look at plans to me. I should show everybody. I've had these plans drawn up. But you see, your problem is, unless you build them, they're just plans. God says, I've got the plans. But unless we do something with it, it won't happen. What are the plans that God's got for you? I wonder what are the plans God has got for you. I never knew I would be married for 30-odd years. For me, that is better than a degree. It's better than being a millionaire. Uh, yeah, better than being a millionaire. I, that is the biggest, biggest miracle in my life. And that's awesome. I never thought I could be a dad. I don't mean like I couldn't perform and become a dad. I was fairly confident I could do that. It's just that I, I never thought that I'd be a good dad. I thought I'd be a waster. I did. And I've got three, three lads that are amazing. But it's just amazing. See, God says, I know the plans that I have for you. And at 19 years old, God changed my life. And he didn't make me an old person. He didn't make me an old person with a crusty old shirt and in a study, smoking a pipe, going, yes, well, here's what uh, Jeremiah thinks and Nehemiah thinks. He didn't make me like that. He helped me to become myself. And I could step out from the crowd and become myself. And that's why I can wear a yellow suit. I'm just me. I'm joking, I haven't got a yellow suit. It's purple. So, so with Nehemiah... He heard some news, and it caused him, it changed his life. It caused him to do something about it. But you know what? God's hand, it's, it's a metaphor. God's hand, God's mighty hand was on his life, bringing him from thousands of miles away, safely, back to Jerusalem. And he's, God's hand also provided all the timber, all the resources, all the things that he needed to rebuild the walls. He got permissions from the king, so that when he went to the local council, they go, who do you think you are? You're a Jew, we, we're ruling you. And he's going, no, 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 King Artaxerxes, or King Xerxes, he's the one that sent me. Look at that knot. Isn't that amazing? When God's hand is on your life, miracles just happen. When, anyway, let's move on. Because here's the problem. Nehemiah got going and they started building the walls, but people got discouraged. Has anyone ever been discouraged? Yeah. Courage is good, but discourage means you haven't got any courage. Yeah. 
That's why it's good to encourage, yeah? When you encourage somebody, you're putting courage into someone. And that's why we meet as church. We don't meet so that God can go, go on, let's hear that other one. Sing me favourites. You know, it's like, God, you're marvellous. See, I told you, Jesus. Have you heard what they're saying? It's not like that at all. It's a time where God comes into our worship and he lives in that and he releases us from pressure. He releases us from things, that habits that dominate our life. Attitudes, bad attitudes, he releases us. But he does more than that. He puts good stuff in. Because before we were Christians, often we lived a life where we let ourselves go and we lost things, good things, like self-respect, like a good self-image, like dignity, purity. We lost all sorts of things. It's during worship and coming around the word that God puts good things back into us. God's word is like a plumb line. And when you've got God's word in you, you start to know what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's helpful, what's unhelpful. Yeah? But more than that, he gives us his Holy Spirit so that when we feel like, oh, I don't think I can do this, you find yourself doing it. And you find yourself changing and, and morphing into the, the real you. And the old insecure you that's always trying to impress people or whatever starts to drop off. And you start to become happy with yourself. Yeah, what a great place to be. I'm happy with myself. These, I laugh at myself these days. And instead of like, you know, when you find a weakness with yourself, instead of going, no, 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 I laugh at myself. I think, what are you like, Dave? How have you become so brilliant and, and have that in your life? So anyway. So let me say something about discouragement. Discouragement, there's three things about it. Because it, it, it is a deadly disease and it's passed on very fast. It's universal. One in four of us, statistics tell us, um, one in four of us will suffer from depression in this coming year, 2020. That's one in four of us. But every one of us will get discouraged in 2020. Every one of us, 100%. So it's universal. Discouragement is universal. Discouragement is recurring. You get multiple opportunities to become discouraged every day. It's universal, but it's also uh, reoccurring. Who's ever gone through a day and you've been so encouraged and then the day after it's been so flat? And you're thinking, what happened? Where did it go? Where did that thing, that it? I had it yesterday, but I haven't got it today. And number three, it's contagious. In fact, it's highly contagious. My discouragement will cause you to be discouraged. We pass it on to each other. We live in such a negative world, and I, I want to change it. I want to bring light. I want to be a light person, like light as in not heavy. I don't mind being deep. I don't mind being thoughtful and, and profound. Can't help myself. <laughs> but I don't want to be heavy. I don't, want to, I don't want to bring heaviness into a room. I want to bring lightness. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. rest. Thank you, Anna. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So he doesn't say don't work. He said, because yoke is for oxen working. He said, take my yoke upon you because my burden is light. How could he have a light burden when he was going to die for the sins of the world? Matthew said he himself bore, carried our infirmities. How, how could he, knowing all that's going to happen, how could he live light? It's because he could roll off the pressure onto his heavenly father. 
And we've got to learn to do that in life. Especially when you become a dad. And if some of you women become a dad, that'll be amazing. <laughs> but if you become a parent, you're a mum or a dad, you're going to have to learn to roll it off. When bills are piling up, you think, which one do I pay first? You need wisdom. Which one do I run from? <laughs> Just joking. So let me, let me read to you from uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. When Sanballat heard... So, sorry, we're into chapter 4 now. And you know, um, Nehemiah got back. He got a team together and they start to rebuild the wall. And it's starting to go up. And they're beginning to see, wow, this is amazing. And, and they got like all the wall, all around, all around Jerusalem, everything was being rebuilt. All, the whole wall, not just like a part of it, the whole wall was going up. And they'd got halfway up. And when they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. Anyway, he had some, some enemies, Sambalat, Tobiah, and some Arabs, and uh, troublemakers. It says, when Sambalat heard that we were, we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. And you know something? When you're successful in life, what I've noticed, I've lived a, a very long time now. I am 39, and I'm telling you, People don't mind you being successful so long as you're not more successful than them. And the more successful you become, people become incensed. They get angry. Look at her. Look at her. Who does she think she is? And look at her shoes. Well, well would you wear them? I, I think, no, they're nice shoes. Don't get me wrong. But the wrong, wrong, uh, wrong context. She shouldn't be wearing them. In the, and that's just the men commenting. So, so he says, he became very angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. He was, he was the governor in his own province in Samaria. And so whilst Jerusalem remained a mess, he looked good. So now it's starting to, to take shape. He's like, oh no, there's somebody else in town and uh, that's going to make him look a mess. And honestly, they went for, they went for Nehemiah. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even if a fox climbing on it, would break down their wall of stones. It doesn't sound much to us, but in them days that were funny. It's like, oh, oh, oh fox. <laughs> anyway. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. And this is Nehemiah's prayer. Can you see how different this prayer is to Jesus's? Where he says, when people insult you, forgive them. So why doesn't Nehemiah forgive them? Because that's what he should have done. If we look through the lens that Jesus brought. But Jesus was talking about personally. When somebody insults you personally, don't personalize it. Forgive him. But Nehemiah, it wasn't a, a, an attack just on him personally. It was an attack on the nation of Israel as they're uh, restoring the, the life 
of, uh, that God had given to them, the laws and everything. They were bringing back the law. Ezra was working at the same time as him, bringing the law of God. Zerubbabel was rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall. It was a day of restoration. It was a time of, of restoring all the things that God had given Israel as a nation. And when you rule in a nation, our, our government is based largely on biblical principles. Uh, our laws... And our laws are not meant to be merciful. They're meant to bring justice and righteousness. That's what they're meant to do. Imagine saying to a, a thief, well, this is what the law says, but, you know, I was talking to Jesus last night and he said, forgive him. You can't build a nation on that. Can you see the difference? So when you're building a difference, you've got to start to, to legislate for what's right and wrong. And Nehemiah knew that and he said, God, they are an, an enemy to you and to what, what you're wanting to do. And we're trying to bring law and order back. They don't want that. They want their ways. And he's saying, deal we on God. That's an awesome prayer. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. Everyone said all their heart. Because I don't want to build a wall. I want to build church. And we're planting churches all around York. Planted in London. I'm flying out to Tanzania, thankfully, on... Uh, uh, on, 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 on in a couple of weeks' time. And I'm so grateful. Why? Because I've been waiting for 30 years for something to happen in Tanzania. And I'm, I'm, I'm meeting, you know, several couples out there, some from, some from Kenya, some from Tanzania. And we're looking at planting global churches. And they've seen what we're up to, and they're just saying, we want, we want in, we want, we want to be part of this. And we're building as a people. We're learning to build. And there's principles in Nehemiah that help us to build. Because I know what it's like. And it's easy to start something, yeah? yeah? The Jews started something here, and when they got halfway up, it's usually when you're halfway up, when you're halfway into something. When you start an essay, getting going, you're like, yep, yeah, I'm going to do it, and you, you mortar on, and then you say, I'll have a brew. <laughs> Shouldn't have that brew. Or you say, We're having a pizza night. Yeah, I could do with a break. I'm going to have, and your momentum stopped. Somebody's cutting on your momentum, and then you go back, you think, oh, I weren't as far on as I thought I was. I didn't have as many quotes as I thought I had. Oh, no, this isn't great. And you lose energy, yeah? I'm getting into me, into me, me talk now. So can I go into the four things? The four things. Four causes of discouragement. Whatever you're doing in life, whether it's bringing kids up, whether it's doing dissertations, and that's the big one that comes, is it, in your third year or something like that? And you've got to do, is it 20,000 words? Or was that just me doing a master's? Four causes of discouragement, yeah? Number one, tiredness, fatigue. I'm going to call it fatigue because every word begins with F down here, so it let, you know, just helps you to remember it. Fatigue. But you tire yourself out. The first step to discouragement is to work every hour God gives you, and you tire yourself out. Now, I'm probably speaking more to the Sunday morning crew. Don't tire yourself out working three jobs and all that. Just watch yourself. Now then, to students, don't tire yourself out drinking and carousing and going around town and living it up, having pleasure all over it. Listen, that'll make you tired. So whatever it is that makes you tired, whether it's you partying too hard or working too hard, whatever it is, then watch out for tiredness. tiredness. He says, the strength of the laborers is giving out, Nehemiah 4.10. The strength of the laborers is given out. And they got halfway there. And that's a critical time in anything. 
We get halfway there. So we're not where we were, but we're not where we want to be. And we look, but we're tired. It's a bit like decorating a house. When you're decorating a house, maybe you've done it if you've gone into digs and you've, you've looked and you've thought, rented accommodation, you think, Magnolia, I'm going to paint it sky blue, pink with yellow dots. Something like that, right? <laughs> and you think, um, and so you buy the paint, you, get, you choose the paint. You go through the process and you have different paint things on the wall from grey to sky blue, pink. And then you look and you think, what, 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 which, oh, it's that one. And you tell all your friends and you start to paint and you're cutting in nicely. If you don't know what cutting is, in is, it's where the skirting board, it's the wall, and you're trying to keep the paint on the wall, not the skirting board, unless you're painting the skirting board, and then vice versa. So, so and then you're rolling the walls, you know, with, with paint on your, on, on your roller and stuff. So for you girls, it's, not, it's nothing to do with your hair. It's, a it's, a, it's like, instead of a brush, it's a roller that you put paint on. And so you get all excited about it, and it's looking, it's fantastic. And, and you're going, 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 your friend comes around, I've got pizza, got pizza, take a break. So you have a break and you come back to it and you're thinking, this is brilliant, but your arms are aching. And it doesn't matter, I'll get the first coat on. You manage to get the first coat on and you think, yes. And you tidy everything away, you think this is good. Just needs that second coat tomorrow morning, you wake up the day after and you're like, oh. And you can't move without it hurting. Oh, oh. And you're trying to get out of it. Oh, oh, oh. But like, ah. And you, oh gosh. And you have another coat to put on. And then you've got a gloss. Then you've got to find the curtains. You're halfway there. But your head is in a different place. It's easy to get going. It's like church planting. It's easy to start a, a, a dinner party. But what about growing that dinner party to another? Yeah, yeah. Well, the initial fire is there. But we've got to learn to fight discouragement. Because it will come our way when three turn up to dinner party and you've cooked food for ten. And you go, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, I'll give it, it'll, it'll save, it'll go in the fridge for the next three years. Yeah. Be all right, be all right. But inside you're thinking, where are you? where is everybody? I'm on my own here, yeah? yeah. Bit of self-pity cre creeping in. And we've, we've, you've, you've just got to watch out for discouragement because it'll come knocking on your door. They had worked a long time. They were physically exhausted. This is the Jews rebuilding the wall. They were emotionally drained. Am I speaking to anybody tonight? They didn't even change the clothes. Because they were on it day and night. And look at uh, uh, verse 6. He um, said, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. And that's when we get discouraged, halfway around. What is the antidote? Three letters. Bed. It sounds obvious, doesn't it? Who fights sleep here? Does anybody fight sleep? I fight it like mad. I'm shattered at 10 o'clock at night. And then I listen to some comedians or something like that, and, and I'm laughing a little bit, you know, going, <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's a good one, I'll nick that, I'll nick that. And I, I, I'm always working, can't help myself. And then, you, you know, a boxing match will come on or a football match will come on. Something, I'm, I'm thinking, I am tired. I'll just have another brew. And all of a sudden, I get excited again. I get, I get all, not excited, I get all rejuvenated. A brew. And a Kit Kat, because there's only 115 calories or 108 calories in a, a two-bar Kit Kat. So I think there's nothing in that, so I have three of them. And then I'm watching, but I'm awake again. And two o'clock, I think, tomorrow I am going to go to bed at 10. And I get into bed, and I'm so awake, I can't sleep. And then my alarm goes off at 12 o'clock in morning. Anyway, whenever it does, you don't need to know the detail. And you're like, oh, I'm wasting my life. Am I speaking to anybody? Bed. We need to go to bed. 
Tiredness is the number one cause of discouragement. Number two, frustration. He says that there were an accumulation of rubbish. You know, for 100 years, the walls had been broken down. There was heavy stone everywhere. So they couldn't just build the wall. They had to remove the rubble, which is draining. And you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. So they're removing the rubble around the edge, uh, you know, around the edge of Jerusalem so they can build this wall. And then they're putting new foundations in, putting the wall up. And uh, they are tired. And then they're standing it on rubble. You know, the ankles are going over. Who's ever done a bit of building? You know what I'm talking about. You're stepping onto things. You're thinking, oh, this is... I've done building work where you're actually working like that. You know, you haven't to touch that bit, but you can touch that bit. And, and, and I'm trying to paint like that while singing and drinking a, a glass of water at the same time because I'm a magician. And it's mad. Sometimes, even at home, I'll look and I think, why am I walking around that? Who's ever seen something? You know, it's in your living room, it's something. And you're always walking around. So you think, why do I have to walk around that? Are you ducking? <laughs> and you think, I always have to bang. No, that's why I duck. It's like, why don't I just change it? Why don't I just change it? I've just changed my study. It's took me three days, but I've changed it. I've dropped some wardrobes. That were a shame. That were out at window. That <laughs> yeah, it made a noise. Anyway, walk the neighbours up. But no, I've dropped three wardrobes and I'm doing this, that, and the other. And I'm creating a study because I work on a table. And that table was meant to be my desk. And my wife's fallen out with me so many times about, Dave, can you move your stuff? I'm saying, no. Yeah. I can't. So, anyway, she got me in an headlock the other day. Yeah. I'll move it, I'll move it. So, and honestly, it's, it just, it's just looking an absolute dream. I can actually walk to a chair, sit down and get some work done. I've just got to get past that cup of tea and three Kit Kats. <laughs> anyway, rubbish. What is the rubbish in your life? What is the accumulation of stuff that's stopping you from enjoying your life, from being productive in your life? You enjoy your life when you're productive. You do. So, so what's stopping you? What is it in your world? What is it that you need to get rid of? I had a garage full of stuff one day, and I was moving house, and I thought, oh, I'll save that, oh, I'll save that. I was finding nuts and bolts that I will never use, but they were old, and I thought, oh, they're old. <laughs> and I thought to myself, and? And I thought, yeah, but they're old. And, 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 and anyway, just tools, old, old saws. I'll keep that, but it's an old one. Got to throw away one. Well, that's the problem with today's society. I'll throw away society. No, I'm going to keep that old one. Well, how are you going to get it sharp? I'll take it to a saw sharpener. Where? There isn't anyone. Everybody just goes to being killed and buys another one and throws the old one away, and that's why we've got climate change. Anyway, just saying. So you know what I did? I heard a preacher, and this preacher, she said, exactly the same. She was in the same predicament. She got a garage full of stuff. And when she was moving out, she was trying to save this hand and the other, and she stopped. And she just said, I invited all my friends to come over and take whatever they wanted. And then I said, I'm going to get whatever's left, I'll get somebody just to clear the whole thing, and then I'll start again. She said, can God not restore your garage? You know, if you need an Overmore, or a, I'm just saying, she didn't say that, that that's just me. She, she didn't have an Overmore, she wouldn't, couldn't spell it. Anyway, it's like, get a new one. Get a new rake. Get a, new, get a new drill. Get a new set of tools. Can you see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, you start to think, you look and you think, I'm organized. All that clutter is gone. 
and, and I'm doing it in my mind now. I'm putting hooks up now for things to hang on. You know what I'm saying? I've got my bike over this side, but that's not a problem. It's not at all. But I can put it over that side of my garage. <laughs> An accumulation of rubbish. Rubble and rubbish causes discouragement in your life. We've just got to deal with it. What is it? If it's going to you now, I always get wet. Why don't you buy some decent shoes and some unfashionable clothes and get there dry? There's a thought. Why don't you? You don't have to look that, that, that bad these days, to be fair. You say, oh, I'm always like, why don't you buy a bike? It'll get nicked. I know it will. But at least you're part of the system. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Find out what it is that's holding you back. What is the rubble in your life? And get rid of it. Number three, failure. Listen to, to when you listen to demotivators are the wrong people. People who, who have got an opinion about your life, but they never do anything with theirs. And yeah, they've got a secure job, and yeah, they're funny, and yeah, they can drink, and they're great at parties, and that's all. And that's all they can do. What are they building? What are they building? You're listening to the wrong people. You'll never get discouraged around me. You'll never get discouraged. Well, you might do one once or twice. Yeah. All depends if you've been good or bad. No, you'll not get discouraged around me. Why? Because I understand what it takes to be successful. I understand that it takes a lot. And I understand what it takes to be constantly successful. When you're a parent, you can't have a bad day, really. You can't say, well, rather, sod it, that's it, I'm off. You can't. Because if you go, you've got to think, well, they need feeding, I've got to go back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The people said, this is the people said, they said, we cannot rebuild the wall. Who told them they couldn't do it? This is what drives me nuts for your generation. That people come and say, you can't do it. And you go, no. And, so, and then you copy You say, I can't do it. Why? Because Frank said I couldn't. Who's Frank? Who the hell's Frank? <laughs> it's like, who told you you couldn't do it? I'd love to be a professor. I'd love to be. Somebody told me today, they were a, uh, last night, they, they, they were a, studying green chemistry. There you go. I said, do they do blue or red? <laughs> and then Penny dropped. I thought, oh, green, green, I get it, I get it. I get it, you plug it in. So, who said they couldn't rebuild the wall? Someone had to have set them off on that train of thought. Someone with the gift of demotivation had to set them off. Because they couldn't finish the task quickly, they're like, oh, this is just going on. You'll get like that with your essays. This just, will somebody please do this essay for me? You know, and your quotes are like three pages long from somebody else's dissertation. <laughs> That's a long quote. Just say, well, I was fascinated with it. I agreed with every word. I couldn't just use a bit. I had to use it all. I think it would have lost something. Plagiarism. So don't, don't say that. It's a nasty word. Here's the thing, it wasn't true because they did build the wall. And yet they, they actually said, we can't build it. But they did build it. And you've got to watch out for Billy Liars. They're all around. You've got to watch out for the demotivators. What is it you're trying to achieve with your life? You've just got to keep going. Just keep turning up. Just keep turning up. Don't go off your feelings. Just keep turning up. Do the right thing. Keep turning up.
when everybody else is mocking you and everybody else is like, oh, oh, they'll have the, you know, they'll have the computer at the ready, uh, teacher's pet or whatever. You're like, no, no, I'm going to keep turning up. Because a lot of these people you will never see again after university. You will never see them again. But you have to live with you. The difference between winners and losers is that winners see failure as a temporary inconvenience. Winners see failure as a temporary inconvenience. And they know this is just like, well, when this has passed. The great verse in the Bible, and it came to pass. Your failure will come to pass. And you'll, and you'll keep going into success. Come on, we've got to keep believing it. We're planting churches and not every church. We've just closed one down because it had just lost energy and drive and life. And, and so, so we've pulled everybody back. Because you don't close a church. The church is the people. We brought them back into the mothership. You know, take them ready to go again. Because we're going to plant again. But we've just got to build everybody up and get us strong again. It's like, come on, we'll bring it on. Nehemiah had this mentality. I'm going to go and rebuild the walls. And if nobody else comes, I'm going to go and rebuild the walls. <laughs> and I'm, me and Shelley are saying, we're going to, and Andy and Anna, we're building churches. We're starting new churches. Nobody else comes, we'll do it ourselves. Until we're 862, we will still keep building churches. Number four, last one, fear. Fear paralyzes you because you, you listen to your critics. This is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11. Our enemies said, before they know it, it, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Dream killers. Notice who said this. Their enemies said it initially, but the people that kept making it into a mantra was Nehemiah's team. They kept saying, our enemies have said, they kept quoting their enemies, our enemies have said, we're going to be upon you before you know it, we're going to kill you, put an end to the dream. And they spread the discouragement. They listened to the critics. You'll never do it. Oh, you might get a 2-1. Or a one-two, I don't know which way around it is. You might get this, you might get... I think you'll fail, actually. Imagine going around to say, telling everybody, you know, my mate, my mate said I'm going to fail. I'm doing a, a degree in archaeology. Anyone doing a degree in archaeology? Ain't it boring, that? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what do you do as a pastime? Oh, accounts. I do accounts. Watch out, you'll discourage yourself by quoting your friends, by replaying in your mind what other people have said about you. And you've got to, you've got to find out what God says about you. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. When you give your life to him, he says, you are mine. Imagine that. Almighty God, you are mine. Here's another one. I am with you. I just feel on my own. I feel like nobody understands me. God says, I am with you. He understood you. He, he knitted you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139. He knows what makes you tick. He knows what makes you happy. What makes you laugh. He does. And he, he knows what makes you sad. And he's with you. Yeah, but I don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. He's with you. Anyway, I've got three antidotes, but I've run out of time. And I'd love to give them to you, but I, I've run, I have run out of time. And I'm not here next week. Isn't that a shame? So I'll just give you the headings, shall I? I'll just give you the headings. How do you overcome discouragement? Three R's. 
Remember, reorganize, and resist. Remember, reorganize, and resist. He says they turned to the Lord. Nehemiah said, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. That's who's with you. The God who is great and awesome. The one who could cause a king to supply all your needs. You know the king, Xerxes? He supplied all the needs for the rebuilding of the wall. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul said. Remember God's character. He'll never let you down. He is faithful. Remember his promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember he has adopted you into his family. Remember he is with you. And then recommit yourself. Turn to him. Remember him, recommit. That's what, the, that's what the Jews did. And they recommitted themselves to the work of, of rebuilding the wall. And they went on to rebuild it. Recommit. What has God called you to do? I know you're doing a degree and, and God's led you. The Holy Spirit's led you so far. But here's the, here's the other thing. The bigger picture is that you belong to him. And that you build, you know, we're building churches. If you've got anything to do with global, we are starting churches. We're not talking bricks and mortar. We're talking people. And if you've got discouraged over, over the time you've been with us and thinking, oh, it just seems to be about other people. It just seems to be about reaching out. Yeah, it is. Come on, refocus. Remember, God's with you. Refocus. Return to him and get re-energized. I'm putting all the R's in tonight. Number two, reorganize. They prioritize their work. Nehemiah 4.13, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. He's reorganized and he's saying, that family, you build that bit of the wall. That group of family, you build that bit of the wall. Clifton, you, you rebuild that bit. Um, Ewerth, you rebuild that. Acom, you rebuild that. Fulford, they don't even exist yet. You rebuild that. Students, you rebuild that. Can you see what we're saying? Have a church here. Have a church there. Have a church there. Build a light. Build something that can, people can see as a light and say, I'm coming to that. I'm coming to your light because I'm living in darkness. I've been in a dark place for too long. I'm coming to that light. This thing is called global, but really it's Christianity, but really it's Jesus, but really it's God Almighty. Can you see what I'm saying? So reorganize, reprioritize the work. Seek first the kingdom, Jesus said, and all these things will be added to you. I can't go into it in too much detail. I'm just going to finish with that last one. Resist. Resist. They defended their families. Nehemiah 4.14 Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your people, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Nehemiah encouraged them to help one another and he did it in strategic ways. And he placed different people with different people. You know, we've got to fight in our nation to have faith. Because people are against us having faith in this country. We've got to fight for the true faith. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He didn't say, I am a way, one of many. Or a truth amongst many. Or a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. That's either a lie or it's true. And tonight, you can find out. Because at the end of every service, 
we give an opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus Christ. He said, I don't know enough. You don't need to know enough. Because we need rescuing from ourselves. We need rescuing from our sin. Sin really is the rebellion in our life. You know, if I left you in a room, you'd rebel against yourself given time. Because that's our nature. But God has got a new nature for us. And when you give your life to Jesus, he breaks the universal power of sin on your life. And he frees you to become the person he intended you to be. And within that freedom, he gives you purpose. And it is to build church. It is to rescue others. But there's also a life for you. Seek first the kingdom and all these things, good things will happen in your life. Good things. Of course, we're going to have challenges. Of course, we're going to have troubles. But we can rise above and keep pressing on because there's good things ahead. I'm telling you. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.